more grace. This is Prophet Karn. I'm going to start to you today uh, part one of a series that I did entitled The Gospel. I know it's been a while since I've done it. These podcasts, just so much going on in my life, but the Spirit of God really prompted on me very strong to make sure I get back to this. There's a series I did entitled The Gospel. Uh, this is part one of that series. It's the grace of God that is explained in kind of detail. But I heard a preacher one time say that if you understand the first eight chapters of the book of Romans, it will absolutely change your life. When I heard a preacher say that, I'm always the kind of person that when someone says something to me, I make it my business to go ahead and look at it and study it. And I say, well, if the first eight chapters of the book of Romans is going to change my life, I'm going to study it. But I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to study it. I mean, with every fiber of my being, get a good understanding of it and try to grasp it. And I must say that preacher was absolutely correct. The first eight chapters of the book of Romans, not only did it change my life, but it was a struggle for me. Because it is a masterpiece on the grace of God. And it's contrary to everything that I've been taught my whole life in church. Didn't believe they meant any harm, but it's just contrary to everything that I've been taught. Being raised in a Pentecostal background, very strong in holiness and clean living, which I believe in wholeheartedly. But the book of Romans just kind of countered that it pushed up against it and really caused me to examine my motive for a lot of things. You know, I believe it's Mark, the seventh chapter, verse 13, that says that the traditions of men made the word of God of none effect. And a lot of times our tradition and things that we've been taught all of our life will cancel out everything that God really wants to do in our life because of our traditions. And that's almost what could have happened with me if I didn't read the book of Romans with an open mind. You can never go into the word of God thinking you already know, because by nature, we all bring baggage into the scripture. We bring how we were raised, what we were taught, and that's the way we look at the word of God. But if you're going to be a true student of the scripture and you're going to grow in the word of God, you have to always enter the word of God empty. Not trying to find scriptures to prove your point, not trying to find scriptures to go against what someone else said, but going to the word of God empty and come out full. And I declared that the book of Romans made me fall more and more in love with God because of what he did for me, not based on my performance. I was always taught that if you do this, God would do that. If you do this, God would do that. But when I look at the book of Romans and see everything that God did for me, void of my performance, without me doing anything, these are things that completely made me fall deeper and deeper in love with him to know that he looked out for me when I wasn't paying him any attention. So some of us don't know that our relationship with God is performance driven. We really don't know that. We don't know that everything we do is trying to make God happy and trying to get God to be pleased with us and trying to dot every I and trying to cross every T. 
which I'm not against clean living. I do believe that when you love him, you do keep his commandments. I do believe that. But I'm telling you that your clean living should be a response to his grace and not to receive his grace, but it should be out of an attitude or response. So I'm going to start at the book of Romans chapter one, if you will. Of course, we know that Paul is the author of the book of Romans. And one thing that I want to say to you is that if you don't get a revelation of Paul's gospel, then you really probably won't have a good revelation of the grace age. We are not in the dispensation of the law, but we're in the dispensation of grace. And no apostle of the scripture had a revelation of the grace of God like Paul did, especially when it came to the Gentiles. I don't believe no one was as versed on the grace message like Paul was. So Paul talks about in Romans chapter one, it tells you that it's Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel. But then when you get to verse eight, he said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. That is a powerful statement. Paul had been hindered trying to get there. He had been doing everything he could to try to get there to Rome. But so many things happened that was hindering him from being able to get to Rome. Uh, if you look at Romans, the 15th chapter, he explained what the hindrances was, how he was arrested in Jerusalem, how he spent two years in prison on his transit to Rome, got shipwrecked. But he ended up in Rome. And when he gets in Rome, he's in prison. I'm just saying all of this to make a point to you that, Paul, that their gospel, their belief, their faith had been heard of throughout all of Rome. All of Rome, uh, he said, your faith has been heard throughout the whole world. All right. But Paul talks about his journey to get there. And when you get to verse 11, he said, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. And I don't want to get into this, but verse 11 lets you know that you can impart spiritual gifts to people, that you can transfer things and release it into somebody's life. That an anointing that is on one person or gift or ability. Remember, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Told him that that gift was in the mother and the grandmother. I believe it was Lois and Eunice. You know, these are gifts that they received by impartation that came through the bloodline. But I'm telling you that as a pastor, as a man of God, I can lay hands on you and impart spiritual gifts. And that's why it's very important to be in ministry and to be in places where the gifts of God are in operation because you cannot go and flow in what you don't know and someone cannot impart to you what they don't have. The Bible declares that Paul said, I want to impart unto you in verse 11, some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. And as you keep reading and get round to verse 14, he says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. He's saying, listen, I'm a debtor. I'm a slave. 
to not just the religious people, but to sinners also. He say, I feel a responsibility to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. He said, I have a responsibility to share what ha- what what God has done. He said, listen, God has done something so powerful and I've gotten such a revelation of the grace of God that I feel it's my responsibility to make it my business to share with you this revelation. And that ought to be the testimony of every believer. You should feel indebted when you get a revelation of the grace of God and how much he changed your life and really get a good understanding. You should feel indebted. You should feel like a slave. Are you listening to me? You should feel indebted to the wise and to the unwise, to sinners, to minister the gospel. It should not be the testimony of a believer that you've heard the gospel and don't want to share it. So you got to ask the Lord, show me how to minister, how to minister this word, how to reach the lost and how not just to reach the lost, but to reach the religious. I feel so indebted now to minister, not just to the unsaved and to share with them the love of God, but to minister to those who are religious, who whole relationship with God is built on performance and they, they've never fell in love with Jesus. They're always under heavy workload. They don't believe the word that says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly. My yoke is easy. I believe that's Matthew eleven twenty nine, And my burden is light. I feel indebted to share the gospel, to set people free from the bondages and the traditions of men. So because Paul was so adamant about it, he got to verse 15 and says, it's in me. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you. Then he says, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it. What it the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, again, the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God under salvation to everyone that believeth, not repent or else, not turn or burn. We have made the gospel and salvation so religious. We have made it so traditional. But the Bible declares that it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. And I know a lot of times when you hear the word gospel, most of us, when we hear that word, we immediately think of gospel music. But I want to tell you that gospel music is more than just, or the word gospel is a term used more than just for music. It's not the purpose of that word, or it's not just for a Christian event. Come on, let's go to this gospel concert or over to this gospel meeting. But the word gospel means good news. I'm not ashamed of the good news. Now, Outside of the Bible, when you look in the Greek, there are only two instances where the word gospel is used. Now, this is very important because 
that means that this word gospel is so powerful that nowhere else is it used. It's only used two other places, which means almost like the word gospel in the Greek is a superlative. It's a hyperbole. It doesn't just mean good news, but it means nearly too good to be true news. So let's try this again. I'm not ashamed of the good news. No, that's wrong. I'm not ashamed of the nearly too good to be true news. For it is the power of God under salvation. What a powerful statement that the gospel is so powerful that once you hear it, your response is it is too good to be true. Now, this was a very powerful statement in the midst of a Jewish society. This was the Jews religion. It was degenerating. Scribes and Pharisees had got so caught up in the law that they were measuring works by steps because when you were under the law, you could only take a Sabbath journey. So they had to measure their steps to make sure they didn't break that law. You even have another group of people. I believe they're called the Essies. They believe that works is even when you had a bowel movement. They wouldn't even go to the bathroom because they were under the law. And so here's Paul under this kind of thinking, this kind of religion where people are working and doing everything they can to try to dot every I and cross every T. And Paul comes on the scene with this new gospel telling people what Christ has done at Calvary. And this gospel is too good to be true. See, what you all don't understand is that the law never issued a compliment. It only showed you that you were wrong. And I think everything that confuses people is they don't understand the purpose of the law. And I don't want to get into that right now. But the law never issued a compliment. I mean, even if you did everything correct, it never complimented you. The only thing the law did was showed you your sin. So let's say there were 500 commandments and you kept 499 of them. The law never complimented you for keeping 499 commandments. It only talked about you for breaking one commandment. That's what it did. It showed you the one thing that you did wrong. James chapter two, verse 10 declares that if you were offend in one, you were guilty of them all. So the law never gave you assurance. It only condemned. Jesus came and that was the system that Jesus came in. And there was all of this discouragement because it was a performance based religion. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. You can't do this. You can't do that. And some person may say, well, the Ten Commandments isn't that hard, but it wasn't just Ten Commandments. There were hundreds of commandments that dealt with you couldn't um, mix garments. You couldn't uh, mix a garden with certain fruits. Am I making sense? All of these were a part of the law. You could wear nothing fake. You couldn't eat pork. No crabs, no shrimp, no oxtail. I mean, all of these were things 
that the law showed you that you did wrong. And then Paul comes on the scene under a system that you have to dot every I and cross every T and stands up with boldness and said, listen, I'm not ashamed of the nearly too good to be true news. That was offensive to that system. That, that, that was completely offensive to the system of the world. That made no sense. They said, are you telling me all you got to do is believe on what Jesus has done? That was offensive. And I'm telling you right now that religion today says all of these rules, you have to do this to be accepted. You have to do this and do this. And if you don't do this, God is mad at you. And if you don't do this, God is going to get you. And if you don't do this, this is going to happen. But Paul comes on the scene and says, "Uh uh-uh. I'm not ashamed of the gospel that it's already done. Now, He asked one question, how many believe God was raised from the dead? You do it? If I was to ask many of you right now, how many do you believe that God raises people from the dead? If I was to ask you, most of you would raise your hand right now and say, I believe that God could raise somebody from the dead. I believe it. I know it. He's a miracle worker. For with God all things are possible. If I was to ask many of you that right now, do you believe that you could raise somebody, that, that God raises from the dead? You would say absolutely. But then if I was to tell you to do it, you would back up. And the reason you would back up is because you live with a sin consciousness and it has made you feel unworthy. And that was the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law, it makes you live in a constant state of condemnation. And I'm telling you right now that if you are always living under, I'm not dotting every I, I'm not crossing every T, and I'm not worthy, and I'm just trying to do better, and Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred, ninety-nine and a half won't do it. Lord, I just want to do better. And you're always feeling like you don't measure up. If that describes the way that you think, I come to tell you, you are under the law. I don't have to be worthy to raise the dead. And most of us may believe that God exists. And most of you may believe that God is powerful, but you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you can lay hands on the sick. You don't feel like you can raise the dead because you don't feel like you prayed enough today. I didn't fast enough today. I made someone mad on yesterday. And I'm telling you right now that if that's the way you live, you are living under the law, which is a constant state of condemnation. I don't deserve. Well, I want to let you know it's true. You aren't worthy. And some of you say, well, I don't feel worthy. You are exactly correct. You are not worthy. But God isn't giving you what you deserve. Everything that you have, you are getting it based on what Jesus did. And he's given you everything based on that. Everything is based on what Jesus did. It has nothing to do with you. According to Isaiah 64 and 6, all of my righteousness is as filthy rags. Romans 623 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, it's not earned. It is a gift. You don't have to work for a gift. You don't have to meet a minimum standard. You don't have to do certain things. If it's a gift, it is free. 
And I'm telling you that when you tell people that right now, that salvation is free, it is a gift, that there's nothing you have to do. All you have to do is believe in what Jesus did. It is still offensive to the religious. And people who are grounded in that kind of thinking, it offends them when you let them know, I don't have to measure up. I don't have to dot every I and cross every T that everything I am, I am because of Jesus. It offends people. Are you saying, Prophet Karn, that all of my good works doesn't mean nothing? That is exactly what I'm saying. Now, I know this is going to offend some of you that are listening to this because you're very religious and you don't know it. And not only will it offend you, but it offended me and my self-righteous religious self who thought I was better than some because I didn't dip, cuss, or chew, or hang with them that do. Because I was not a whore-chasing, freebasing, whisky-nipping, cocaine-sniffing, pill-popping, weed-chopping, tobacco-chewing, cigarette-sucking, pipe-puffing, skirt-chasing, midnight-rambling, bingo-gambling devil. I thought that for sure I was going to go to heaven because I didn't do this, and I didn't drink, and I didn't smoke, and I didn't club, which I still don't do. This did not cause me to become loose, but it caused me to appreciate God the more and love him even more because he died for me without me doing all of that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Everything that we've received came from Jesus. I still live holy. I still do what's right because I don't want to make an inroad to the devil. See, when you open the door to the enemy through sin, you cause the enemy to come into your life. So there are reasons that I don't do things because I don't want to open an inroad for the devil. But I'm telling you that God loves you and there will be consequences to your action. But it does not take away who you are and that God saved it, saved you. Am I making sense? Let's say uh, you hear this word today and you stop performing. Let's say you hear Prophet Karn said, I can do anything that God loves me no matter what I do. And let's say you decide I'm going to go rob a bank today. Well, I'm telling you right now that God loves you. You can go rob the bank. God loves you. And guess what? You're going to jail and you're going to experience his love in the prison cell. How about that? But it's not going to cause God to say, I don't love you or I'm going to throw you away because you robbed a bank because your salvation had nothing to do with your performance. It is not of works lest any man should boast. There are consequences that are going to come as a result of your sin. And we'll get into that in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Uh, you need to read that when you get a chance. But everything is available through grace. But you still need to live right so you don't become a servant of sin. See, the enemy comes, John 10 and 10, to steal, to kill and destroy. But I come that you might have life. He loves you, but it's not based on your performance. And that offends people. Are you telling me that all of my working and all of my living holy and all of my living for God does not guarantee me being accepted? Absolutely correct. It doesn't make him love you anymore because you live holy or because you don't drink. But I promise you this, it will cause you 
to love him more. There's so much more I want to share with you, but my time is up. This is what I want you to do. This is in a series. Go to the website, briancarn.com, briancarn.org, and tell them you need the series entitled The Gospel. That's all it is. It's the gospel. And this is part one. And I know it's going to offend you and make some of you mad, but this completely changed my life when I heard it. Now, you know what? Brian Carn Ministries and Kingdom City Church, we don't charge. We just ask you to give a donation of whatever amount you have. But we're givers. We believe in giving. And if I believe in this, I'll be willing to give it out for free. I love you. I'm praying for you. More grace to you. Go to the website briancarn.com briancarn.org everything you need is there more grace thank you for listening to the prophetic podcast with prophet brian carn stay tuned for next week's podcast and visit briancarn.com for more information and to sow a seed into the ministry to receive this message in its entirety call 1-855-984-2276 or one 5433 More grace, we're excited about your future.